The scripture lesson comes from Luke 9, 57 through 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. So if you've been in uh, Bible study with me before, ah, if you've even heard me preach before, you know I don't mind pushing the envelope on making people uncomfortable, particularly in Bible study, because, well, the reason being, we don't really grow unless we're a little bit uncomfortable. And today we're going to be playing with that theme a little bit here. Uh, you see, we have a comfort zone. And believe it or not, that expression, comfort zone, was coined fairly recently, 1994, I think, uh, by a man named White. That was his last name, not his first name. Uh, and uh, and he, he coined this expression, comfort zone, around business strategies. Uh, and the idea behind a comfort zone is that there is a space where we feel safe, where we don't have to deal with stress, where we can just be and everything's okay. But that's not all there is in the world. Just outside of our comfort zone lies, and it's very unfortunate that it's in this order, the fear zone. And the fear zone is all of those things that, well, we don't want to have to deal with. The things that make us uncomfortable, the things that we're not too confident in dealing with, the things that stress us out. And then just beyond the fear zone, I wish I kept my whiteboard, but they needed it. Uh, just, beyond the, just beyond the fear zone is the learning zone. And the learning zone, if we can push past the fear outside of our comfort zone, then we start, this is where we start to learn new skills. Anybody remember learning how to ride a bike? Maybe, yeah. Uh, that, that process of either whether you were tick off training wheels or whether you know, somebody just sat you on a bike and started pushing you down a hill like my parents did, uh, whatever that process was, there was an amount where you had to step beyond your fear in order to learn a new skill. And then just beyond the learning zone is the growth zone. And the growth zone takes all of these things, our comforts, our fears, what we have learned, and applies them toward making us be the people that we could be, achieving our potential in all of this. But here's the thing. The growth zone isn't easily reached. Because in order to get there, we have to pass through the learning zone. And the learning zone takes a lot of effort to go through. And even to get into the learning zone, we have to pass through the fear zone. And the fear zone, well, it speaks for itself. We don't want to have to deal with the fears in the fear zone. But even getting to the fear zone requires one massive step, getting beyond our comfort zone. And that takes a lot of effort because, well, we like to be comfortable. 
And there's nothing inherently wrong with being comfortable, mind you. There, there is a, a very sacred space for being in a comfort zone. We just can't stay there all the time. Now, Kristen and I, it's a good thing she's left because I can talk about her now. <laughs> uh, Kristen and I, we, uh, we have a very particular comfort zone. You see, we're people who like to travel a lot. Uh, we, that's just who we are. We like to travel. Uh, recently, we were uh, at a friend's house in, in Atlanta, and we really had to have this conversation about how dependent we are on our comfort zone. And we identified three factors uh, whenever we are at somebody's house that we need in order to sleep well. You might have the same three factors. Uh, our number one for both of us is, is slightly different. It's temperature for me. The temperature, I, I, I cannot sleep if it's above 74 degrees. I know that's like terribly wasteful of me. I'm just very hot natured and I'll just sweat through the entire night. Uh, so I, I need it to be as cold as possible. For Kristen, it's sound level. And then for both of us, our third uh, thing that we need is low light, like very low light, like almost pitch black. Well, we were at this friend's house and, well, we knew it was going to be warm there. And so we travel with our own fan. We do. We travel with our own fan because we know that if it's, the temperature isn't at least close to being right, it's going to be a tough sleep. We also knew that their house is right next to the road, and so sound was going to be a big problem. We travel with our own sound machine. We do. We travel with our own sound machine. Uh, and then we remembered from a previous stay at this friend's house that their guest room has blinds on it, but the blinds are like a good two inches away from the window. I don't know how that happens. So the, all the light still comes in. <laughs> Now, we haven't gotten to the point where we're traveling with our own blackout curtains yet, <laughs> maybe one day, uh, but we did uh, get really inventive and use our towels to cover up the window because we have a comfort zone that we don't want to get out of, and if we can help it when we travel, we're going to travel with our fan and with our sound machine and maybe next year blackout curtains, you can say, uh, because we have that comfort zone. Now, we can do it without those things, but we don't like to do it without those things. And that's the key right there. It's a preference of ours. We prefer to be comfortable. Now, there's another area of comfort uh, that goes beyond just the physical comforts that we experience. Uh, and there, that's psychological comforts. We need to feel safe in our environment. Whenever we first moved into uh, the parsonage uh, of Spring Hill Avenue, it was a new space for us and we didn't really know what to expect. And so every single night, I would wake up at every single sound. It didn't matter if it was just our dogs shifting positions, I would wake up at every single sound because I didn't know if I could feel safe in this new space yet. We have other psychological comforts that we need, but there's also one other area that I want to draw our attention to, and that's cultural comforts. And these are far more subtle than we even realize, but there are a lot of them. And let me just tell you, I am a person who indulges in a lot of cultural comforts. And what I mean by that is, to use a couple of buzzwords, I am a middle-class, educated, straight white man. That's 
There's my identity, all right there in a couple of words. And in each of these labels, I have particular cultural comforts. Uh, we've started referring to these uh, as privilege. And as a middle class person, I am financially at least, in the majority of the United States. And I can provide for my own needs, unlike the person who we might know very well goes from food bank to food bank trying to provide for their family. I, as an educated individual, have many doors that have opened for me. Many doors that have opened for me. Unlike the person who works three jobs for a minimum wage and still cannot afford to live a comfortable life, especially during a time of inflation. I am not afraid of someone telling me that I am less than because of my sexual orientation. I am not afraid of discrimination, and I don't have to worry about being labeled a threat because of the color of my skin. I am given positions of power and responsibility because my chromosomal type is XY, and I don't have to fight to be on equal ground like my wife has to. Do you know how much more frequently she gets asked the question, what's it like to be a pastor's wife? And I have to say, she's a pastor too. And praise God that the United Methodist Church has taken some steps and she actually makes more money than I do. Uh, there are lots of women in this world who do not make as much as uh, men in their fields and who have to make an excuse for their lifestyle. She gets asked far more frequently, when are y'all having kids than I do? And so I have a lot of cultural comforts. In fact, the only thing that I really have against me in all of this is that I'm young and people don't really take me as seriously as they take somebody who's uh, got a couple more years of experience on them. That's probably not a bad thing. I make a lot of mistakes. Uh, but this is, one of the th this is one of the things in my identity that will actually change over time. Now here's where we get into it. Following Jesus is not about comfort. It's just not. There, there is a movement in the world, and it's surprising how many people latch, have latched onto it. Uh, and even though we, right here in the space, might not subscribe to it, we still believe in it. It's known as the prosperity gospel. And it's this notion that God will provide all of the financial and wellness blessings in your life if you simply have enough faith if you speak positively, if you pray enough, and if you give generously to religious causes. Now, believe it or not, Jesus is not our genie. I've tried. I used to pray for superpowers every night as a kid, and it didn't work. Jesus is not our genie. In fact, I think we could argue that Jesus is much more the type to tell us to sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor then follow me. Jesus is really the kind of person who is more likely to tell us, in this world you will have trouble. Jesus is the one who calls us well beyond our comfort zone and into our growth zone in saying things like, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You see, Jesus calls us outside of our comfort zone, all the way into our growth zone, and we have the responsibility to get beyond 
the excuses that we use to cling to our comforts. So here's where we get to the butt of it all. Only one T in that one. You see, in this conversation that Jesus has with three different individuals, there's always a but. There's always a but. And we start, and uh, it, it begins with, as they were going along the road, they are traveling. Someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you prepared for that discomfort? Are you prepared for homelessness, itineracy, being on the move for the mission? Then another, Jesus calls out to this person and says, follow me. But, he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus tells him, let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow looks back and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus calls us to discomfort. And now on the outside of this passage, without a little bit of context, remember, content plus context equals meaning. Without a little bit of context here, we could really miss what's happening because what Jesus is speaking about seems a little harsh. To the first person who says, I will follow you wherever, that seems like the dream disciple. Yes, come along, we'll go, let's do this. But Jesus tells him very honestly, it's not an easy road. In fact, there aren't a lot of comforts that come with it. You might have to be moving around a lot. You might have to be homeless in this ministry. Are you prepared for that? And that seems a little harsh. Are you telling me that Jesus is calling me to be homeless, to give up everything that I have and actually follow him, to step beyond that comfort zone. Like I said, I'm a very hot-natured person. Me wandering around in Mobile in the heat of the summer, I need air conditioning. Are you, Jesus, are you calling me beyond air conditioning here? Yeah! Yeah! Let's get outside of our comfort zone a little bit. And then Jesus starts getting a little bit more intense. He says to this person, follow me. And the guy says, sure. But first, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You can't say that to a person. A person grieving the dead? You can't say that to this person. Now we get into the context of it. This person's father is not yet dead. We assume that this person's father is dead because he asked to go and bury his father. But there's a little bit of context here that we might be missing out on. Uh, because you see, first of all, that it is a both cultural and religious expectation that you would honor your father by burying him. In fact, it's seen as a direct answer to the fifth commandment, honor your mother and father. Okay, so shouldn't we let this guy go bury the dead? Well. You see, his father's not yet dead, and we know this because 
Where is he? This is one you can answer. Where is he? Somewhere on the road, right? Jesus and his disciples are on the road. If his father just died, according to Jewish customs and practices, he's not on the road. He's keeping vigil over his father's body. He's not leaving his father's side. So we know his father's not yet dead. And we know this because we get a little bit of context here. And instead, what he's asking is to put off following Jesus until his father does die. Now it seems a little bit more ridiculous, right? Because I don't know about you, but I don't know whenever people are going to pass away. I just like, more often than not, unexpected. Uh, so this could be like, sure, maybe the next week if there's some freak accident, but this is probably a couple years down the road. And he's saying, let me just put off following you until I do this so that I can do what's expected of me in my culture. Allow me to stick to my cultural comforts. And then there is the third person who says, I will follow you. But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. Again, this seems like one of those things that it's like, Jesus, you're being incredibly harsh here. Because, yeah, if I'm about to go on a big journey, I'm going to say bye to a few people. Right? I'm, I'm not just going to up and vanish, otherwise they're going to be calling the cops and sending out a search party for me. I'm going to go say goodbye. Now, context added to the content here. The Greek word that's used to say farewell is the word apotasso. And you don't have to remember that word unless you just really like Greek. Apotasso is a complex Greek word because, yes, it can mean to say farewell, to say goodbye. However, it doesn't exclusively mean that. You see, to say farewell in this sense with the word apotasso, what we're seeing is a different conversation because this word can also tra be translated to mean to take leave from. To take leave from. To, I don't know, has anybody here ever taken leave from work? Yeah? What's, what's something you have to do before you take leave from work? Ask permission. Yes. You can't just disappear. It's an easy way to get fired. Uh, you have to ask permission. And so with this word apotasso, what this man is saying here is, Jesus, I will follow you, but first let me go ask permission for my family to leave. And what Jesus is saying in response is that, if this mission isn't a higher priority for you than the cultural comforts of asking permission to go on this journey, then you're missing the point. Jesus is calling each of these three people beyond their comfort zone, beyond their fear zone, beyond their learning zone, into their growth zone, that the kingdom of God might be expanded in the world. And each of these people are faced with a value decision. What is more important to me? The kingdom of God or my comforts? Because following Jesus involves a lot of physical, psychological, and cultural discomforts. Now, my challenge for each and every one of us today is to commit 
to being uncomfortable for Christ. And you might have the very question that I had whenever I was first writing this. How, could, how on earth could I ever convince anybody to be uncomfortable? You're probably asking the question, why would I do this if it means I'm going to be uncomfortable? What's the point? I'm going to be real honest with you. You don't have to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know you have, that per, you have permission from me. You have, if you need permission from me, you have permission from whoever you need permission from. You don't have to live that uncomfortable life. In fact, this is in part one of the reasons why the church is dying today. People have realized that they don't have to live the life that Jesus calls them to. I can still live into my comforts and I'm not going to be struck by lightning. How convenient. Don't have to live into the discomfort that Jesus calls us to. You can indeed live in all of the comforts that you can muster in your life. But according to Jesus, that's not exactly the Christian life. Stepping on some toes now. Go ahead. Wear your sandals next time to church so I can really get it. You can enjoy every comfort that you need. But that is not who the church is meant to be. We commit to being uncomfortable for Christ because we are called to be set apart, holy, a people who change the world. And that does not happen in the comfort zone. Change happens in the growth zone. The transformation of the world happens in the growth zone. Disclaimer here. I'm not telling you that next time you go to spend the night at a friend's house, you can't take your fan and your sound machine and your blackout curtains because I probably will be. That's not exactly suffering for Jesus, if you will. What I am saying is to be mindful of your comfort zone, the things that you feel like you need in life. Otherwise, you're going to have a miserable life because those are the things that are going to hold us back from this life that Christ has called us to. Those are the things, those kind of comforts. And I'm not saying that you have to go out there and, and you know, abandon uh, all of the privilege that culture provides some of us. Because you can't unless you actually change culture. But it can be used as a tool for those who do not have a voice. Those who are spoken less than. Women in ministry was not a thing until some men in power used their privilege to be able to say... Women are called by God. Let's stop being ridiculous about this. So, I hope today you are uncomfortable. And I hope that today you're able to think about the things that you need to feel comfortable. Because I want to leave you with one question. How much are you dedicated to living a comfortable life rather than a Christ-like life. Let us pray.